Both of my parents have transitioned. I look at death different. One, I was here. I know people who lost their parents sitting in prison. I don't have that testimony. I have a testimony that, hey, I was out here. That's the second biggest blessing that I got to get. One was life. Two, I got to be with my parents before they passed. So I'm always grateful for what I get to see. And I look for what God does. I look for also the impact that I, I'm intentional with, with, with impact, I promise you. I make it my business to be impactful. And I tell my testimony. When I tell it, only God knows how many times I repeated this one thing over and over. I did 13 years in prison, came home four years ago. My artwork has now been at the World Trade Center three years in a row. I've exhibited in D.C. twice, Baltimore twice, Florida, Georgia. I've sold over 7,500 copies of a book I created and over 7,200 hand-in-hand and signed everyone up. I tell this, and then I let them know it was God. Hello, listeners. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Borderless Odyssey podcast. Um, I have Carlos Walker with me today. I met Carlos in 2017. I was in D.C. and he was selling his, his book. And we had a conversation. And right there, right then, I knew I wanted to sit down with this guy. I wanted to get to know him. Welcome to the show, Carlos. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And it uh, may have been 2021. 21? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, how have you been? It's been two years. How have you been? How's your book? How's life? Hmm. Best way I can say it is it's perfect. Life unfolds the way that life's supposed to do. Yes, sir. But you have to remember that you have a part to play. God has a plan. You are the main character. And you just got to know that the main character is supposed to win. So yeah. for me, I, as of now, I have sold over 7,500 copies of my book wow. and over 7,200 hand-to-hand, most of them out there at the African American Museum, going out there every day. Uh, it's been a persistent grind. You got to do things on a consistent basis in order to get to the plan or the place that God has for you. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely, Carlos. You know, one thing I, I liked about you the first time I met you was just you are so wise. Like, you possess a lot of wisdom. Have you always been this very smart individual? Or is this, you know, at some point in your life, you, you got a revelation or something? I prayed for something. From a young child to now, I read the story of Solomon. And Solomon prayed for three things, or asked God for three things. He didn't ask for a bunch of money. He asked for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And my entire life, I have always asked for these three things. Now, yes, I know I have a plethora of wisdom, but I like to say I know nothing. <laughs> the more you know, the more you find out you know nothing. That's what a wise man says. That is what a wise man says. Tell us about your childhood, Carlos. How, how was it like growing up? What was your family like? I had two older parents. They had me at the age of 41 and 38. Okay. That's probably where the wisdom come from. <laughs> so uh, growing up, my nieces ended up moving in with me. And 
I like to say now that I didn't get what I thought I should have got as a youth, which was the love for my mother. However, my father was always giving me the love that I was supposed to be getting. My view was abstract because I was looking for some from someone else opposed to knowing what I had. So growing up, I ended up getting angry. Started uh, acting out. At the age of nine, started cussing and fussing and fighting my parents at the age of, let me see, probably about 14, I started selling weed in high school. Age of 15, got in trouble. No, age of 14, got kicked out of school. Age of 15, got kicked out of school. Wow. Uh, age of 16, started selling crack cocaine. At 16? Mm-hmm. And from there, my life started forming differently. It wasn't that I had to, because I, I didn't come from a family that was uh, like from the projects or a family who had nothing. I had friends that had that was in these possessions. And me, I learned, I learned skills or activities from watching them. From there, it just shifted. My life went into hyperdrive with becoming good at everything that I, 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 I applied myself to. Selling drugs, I was good at it. Not the best, I ain't gonna say the best because there's people who done went <laughs> way beyond yeah, what, yeah, but yeah. in my stratosphere of life, I was good at what I done. So, I mean, it's it's interesting how growing up, you know, with parents and usually it's the, it's the other way around. You know, the moms care mm -hmm. while, especially in the black community, while the dads are always astray. And for your case, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a mother's love is, there, there's nothing like uh, a mother's love. Do you think that's what pushed you to start selling drugs? No. Uh, what pushed me to start selling drugs, me and my father got into an argument one, uh, one day. It was on a Sunday, at least crack cocaine. We, I started selling weed in ninth grade, and it was just, hey, something to do. It was, uh, I like to say it was the beginning part because I was smoking. So to have a little weed, to do certain stuff, you want to, you know, not be able to take money from out your pocket and pay because you're going to stay broke. Right. And it was just to support that habit, I guess it was, you could say. But the crack part, me and my father got into an argument, and he told me that he wasn't going to do, like, give me a little money from time to time. And what I said, I'd already been hanging with a young man who I'd been hanging with him for two years, watching him. Didn't want to sell drugs but or sell crack cocaine, but what ended up happening, I took what I knew and I put it to work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what, what happened once you start selling crack cocaine, how was life like for you, money-wise? Um, you know, the opportunities it comes with and, and the problems as well it comes with. How did you navigate all of that at such a young age? I really didn't worry about the problems. It was more of I kept money. From the age of 16 till 24, I kept money. How and, much money are we talking uh, about? Let me see. That's like an up-and-down question. Uh, on average, 
Like on a weekly basis, how much money would you make just from? I can't really say weekly basis. Now, I have had substantial amounts of money throughout my journey. Like at the age of 18, I had over $28,000. I watched wow. it all disappear, though. <laughs> at the age of, let me see, uh, I ended up doing 10 months in jail, came home, I had like $30,000. Uh, ended up having some ups and downs. But when I went to prison, I had over, and this was in 2006, I had over $87,000 worth of drugs and money. Wow. So it was like a up and down basis, but the most I've had in cash was like $55,000. 55K? Yeah. Wow. So you went to prison in 2006, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what led to your, to your arrest back then? Uh, let's see. I would like to say, to be honest, now I look back, God had a plan. And the people that he chose to do, I would like to say the most with, he's going to take you through something. This is also where the wisdom come from. Uh, people told me, because I was telling people, experience give you wisdom. A lady just probably about three weeks ago said, experience and suffering give you wisdom. Absolutely. And it's the suffering that shapes your mind to see different. God knows how to plant and impart what you need to share with other with everyone else. You know, absolutely. I do I do agree with that. Um if if God is going to use you, I do believe your testament or your testimonies will come from places where you you're inflicted the most. Um, you know, so 2006, you went to jail, you went to prison. Um, what were your initial thoughts, you know, the first moment you walked into prison? I lost everything that I had. I lost over $87,000 worth of drugs and money in one day. So my initial thought was I just lost everything. I cried for about six months. That's where my mind was at. Wow. <laughs> it was more to the nature of, and I didn't, as I reflect back now, I didn't pay attention to the fact that in, let's see, in my past, I had lost money and I regained. I came back. I didn't realize that, yes, I had lost, especially within this six months, that I had lost everything, but I just gained everything back. My freedom. My life. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got to lose your life in order to gain life. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I did. I ended up losing my old self to become my new self. Absolutely. Absolutely. And did you did you find this new self in prison or after? In prison. In prison. Your change of mind starts where you at in the middle of your suffering. Yeah. Yeah, um so can you share some moments in prison that were, like, what, what were the challenges and what were the opportunities you found while you were in prison? So what was the most challenging or what were the challenges and what opportunities did you find there that made you become this new person, that made you want to reform? Losing people. In there, you lose people. When I say lose, I got married sitting in prison. And my ex-wife, she ended up, 
deciding to go on about her business, which was cool, but her kids I had grown attached to. This was probably the most hurtful moment that I had in prison because I got close to them. I was somewhat imparting my life to them, even from the standpoint of where I was at. So that was my, that was probably one of the most hurtful. And seeing my parents come see me and have to leave but getting older. Imagining that these people may die sitting while I was sitting there, that was another hurtful moment. That's tough. But then I went back. I remember uh, the day that my parents came to see me, and they was looking sick. I imagined that, hey, for a second, man, these people might die while I'm up in here. And I was like, hey. I went to the cell, got on my knees, and asked God to give me something that helped me make money while I never sell drugs again. And that I and I ended up a month later walking on the compound and I seen a, a correction officer with his hands behind his back. And it was a white guy cutting grass in front of him. I had been studying black history for about three years. And I looked and I was like, damn, this looks like this could be a black slave master and a white slave. And that <laughs> idea popped in my head. I told my friend, he or one of my associates, and he was like, hey, I see that. Probably about two months later, I'm going through a, a black history book, and I see a picture of two white guys chasing a black guy, and the idea come popped back on my head again. And from there, I started doing the first picture that I did that's in that book. And over the next three and a half years, I had an entire a plethora, about 48 pictures of artwork wow. based on that one subject. And two correction officers told me, you should write a book. To your uh to your artwork. Yeah. And life changed. It was the starting point of my life becoming what my life is now. So tell us, tell us about your book. I mean, I think, you know, again, opportunities breeds you no know, challenges breeds opportunities. Um some people see challenges as challenges, some people see challenges as an opportunity to to change, yeah. do better. To, to to just move to the next level. And you are one of those people. So you're in prison, saw someone walking with their back, with a hand behind their back, and you had an idea. And now you put in this idea into action. And now you you drawing pictures. And now pictures are becoming pages in a book. Um, so walk us through your book. What, what is the book about? What's the name? Um, where can I buy if I if I want to buy? Uh, walk us through the book. The whole like, how did you start writing down the 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 book? Is it you found this picture, one picture, and then the, the story start coming to you and write? Walk us through the book, basically. So, how the book came about was out of pain. It was me looking at what black people in America was going through. So the book is called What If. Uh, and what it is what it's about, imagine white people being in black people position, blacks in America. So you will go through slavery. You'll see white people being beat, being uh you'll see women or there's a chapter called the product of rape. And the main picture of it is you see a mother holding a black baby. This is a representation of a a black mother who used to help who had, who had been raped by her slave master, which in real life was a white guy, 
And she's holding a light-skinned baby. But in my book, you see a white lady holding a black baby because her slave master was a black guy. And you go through just instances of people running, trying to get free. You see uh, Jim Crow. So you will see instead of Rosa Parks being a black lady, you see her being a white lady with sitting on a bus. And Martin Luther King is right behind her, but he's uh, one of the black men that's on the bus that she should have gave a seat up to. Yeah. And then you come into our present moment. So you'll see people like uh, Tamia Rice, Alton Sterling being choked by the police officers. Uh, you'll see uh, Philando Castile sitting in the back seat with blood on him and a, and a, and a guy... A black slave, I mean, a black uh, officer who had just shot him. So it takes you through the entire history, allowing you to see what blacks in America have actually been through. Absolutely. And um, I mean, that's such a powerful, I feel like it gives you perspective. Um, what if this was reversed? Mm -hmm. and, and you start thinking about it very, very deeply. It's like, I mean, the way you see the world is amazing. You know, not a lot of people would sit down and say, okay, what if this was reversed? Let me paint pictures. Let me, let me, I mean, people will think about it, but putting that into action, making that a book and actively selling that, I think it's a, it's a really good idea. I mean, I, I know your book is on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. You did tell me um, that. Yes. And I know you, you, I think that's how we met. That's how we actually met you selling your book. Um, where else can people buy the book, just in case are they like in bookstores? Amazon, Book A Million, Walmart, uh, their online. Uh, me, I always tell people it's always good to get the uh, author's signature. So you can reach me on um, through Instagram, walkers underscore gallery two. You can DM me and what I do, I ship them to people. That way you get my signature and you get a digital book too. So on the digital book, you have my uh, QR code, and you get the whole book and you get shared with everybody that you want to for free. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, being in prison, having all those ideas to write a book and then coming outside. And is that when you released the book or did you do this while you were in prison? No, nah, I released it and I came home in 2019. Uh, you remember when Kim Kardashian, them fought, well, uh, her name is Brittany Barnett. She was a lawyer. Well, she is a lawyer from out of Texas, I think. She ended up creating a, help writing a law or fighting for people that was in prison. And she ended up getting win, getting everything to like Kim Kardashian, Van Jones, all these people started helping her push the bill. Uh, one of the people who helped was Jared Kushner, President Trump's uh, uh, son-in-law. Mm. And he ended up helping as well get it in front of Trump. Trump passed the bill. This was in 2018. 2019, March of 2019, I came home. I ended up working a bunch of in and out jobs, had a few <laughs> art shows. In October of 2020, for my birthday, I got a, or in October, I got a $6,000 commission check. Wow. And God, I reached out to a lady two months before, and I was like, hey, I want to publish my book. She was like, look, just let me know when. I hit her up. In October 2020, I, I gave her like $1,200. She ended up publishing my book. 
I mean, November of 2020, it went into publication. And the story is written. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing, man. Honestly, like your entire journey, 2006, 2019, lots happened in between, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, here you are today, you're free and you're doing your thing. I'm proud of you, honestly. Appreciate you. Yes, Appreciate sir. you. Yes, sir. I mean, I know now 2006, when you went into prison to 2019, the world outside has changed so much, so much. How did you cope coming outside with challenges and just reintegrating back to society? For me, it wasn't a challenge. Uh, every job that I got, uh, from the first job that I, I, I got when I came home, I ended up going to a gym and... My sister had a seven-day pass, so I go in there. Uh, the owner walked me around the gym. We stopped at the uh, pull-up bar, and I was like, yo, you mind if I do some pull-ups? I did 20. And he said, nah, go ahead. I did 20 pull-ups. He ended up asking me, hey, you want a job? <laughs> I told him, yo, give me a couple days, I'll let you know. Mess around, I ended up, that was my first job. I worked there for three and a half years from seven to, no, from 8 to 11 o'clock every night. One day, I was walking one day um, on my way to the grocery store. Stopped at a, uh, on my way back, I stopped at a car wash. I wanted some extra money. I was like, yo, you mind if I, uh, you know, wash some cars for you? And he was like, yo, <laughs> if we need you, I'll let you know. All right. The next day he called me and he was like, look, come on up here. I went. And while I'm washing cars, I was getting paid $6 an hour. I looked across the street and I seen this car dealership and it had a plethora of cars sitting over there. And I was like, man, I can make more money over there than I can over here. This was just God showing me opportunity. You got to walk through it. Yeah. If you're not willing to walk through opp towards your opportunity, the opportunity goes past. So true. I looked, I ran over there. I spoke with, with the owner. I was like, hey, you mind if I wash your car? He was like, you look too smart to be washing cars. I said, hey, I am. I said, but I got to have some way to get in the door before hey, anything else. He said, come back. He said, can you sell cars? I was like, yeah, I used to sell drugs. <laughs> he said, come back Monday. We're going to talk about you being a car, uh, car salesman. When I got there, he ended up making me a tag and title person. And I ended up doing tag and title work for the next six months. And then a sister fired me. But that was just part of the journey to move forward and to learn because there was another position for me to be a part of later on that I would use tag and title again. Amazing. Did you immediately jump into that position or that was down the line? You talking about the uh, tag and title part? No. He made me a tag and title person that day, the day that I came back. I started doing tag and title work. Amazing. Had never done it. But hey, <laughs> you just got to know if God has something for you, work on it, try it, and then move. He'll work the rest of it out, I promise you. Yeah. You know, um, as you as you say in all this, how do you identify personally for you? How do you identify what is for you? Like how how do you know God is sending this to me? God is God wants me to see this opportunity. Because personally, I struggle with that sometimes. Like, 
is is this a message from God? Is it like do I approach this spiritually, logically? Do I think deeply into this? Um, you know, personally for you, how do you identify those things that you believe are from God for you? In the word of God, it tells you every good gift is from God. So do I know when I first jump into something that is for me? Yeah. No matter how it turns out, it says all things work together for the good of those who love God. So guess what? Even if it don't work out, I got fired from that job. <laughs> guess what? It still worked out for my good because I learned a skill doing tag and title work. I learned to sell cars while I was there. Later on down the road, I ended up getting, um, and I ended up doing my, uh, I ended up taking the test to be a car salesman while I was there. They had promised me that they was going to make me a, a, a car salesman. What happened, I went down there, took the test, got fired from that job, only to end up going to Staples. I worked at Staples. I did DoorDash. And what God did was set up another part. During DoorDash, I ran some donuts to a, a, to a car dealership. They was just opening. I messed around and asked the guy, hey, you mind if I sell cars? I, I, I went and took my test. He said, that's all you want to do? I ended up becoming a, a car salesman. I worked doing car sales for nine months for them. Wow. But then I ended up doing tag and title for them. And <laughs> you just got to know that everything is working together for, your, for where you're going in life. You may not know how this is going to work out. I just know what God told me. He told me three things and in prison. You're going to leave prison early. The world is going to see your artwork, and you're a millionaire. I don't know when. I don't know how. I know it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. So a lot of faith is faith. Literally. Um, faith and, and having that vision, too. Yes. This is where I want to be. How I'm going to get there, when I'm going to get there, that's not up to me. Mm -mm. Um, but this is it. This is my goal. This is the road I'm going to take. Um, how do you deal with distractions? Because someone with a vision, um, you have to be really disciplined to, to attain what you see in your head. And the world is full of distractions. And you're coming back out of prison you're as a reformed man and you know you, you got your goals. You wanna be a millionaire, you wanna sell your books. Um, how do you deal with distractions? I realized some sudden in prison. God removed all my distractions so that I could get the work that I needed to be that needed to be done done. I wouldn't have never been able to write the book had not I'd been sitting in there. I would have never had the idea women was out of the way. I couldn't chase money. All my distractions were done then. But then I came home. I did start. I started back smoking weed at one time. I started drinking while I was selling cars. Uh, women, big distraction. Look, <laughs> hey, I was uh, chasing women left and right. I ain't going to say chasing, but doing my thing. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was God told me something. He said, you got influence or you're going to have it. You got it now, but you're going to have more of it. And I don't want my gifts or you to be misleading people. So what I had to do, I had to work on myself. He told me, look, I want to give you a million dollars. 
I promise this to you. That was sitting in prison. Do you want the promise? I was mismanaging the money that I was that I was making. I was going out to DC making money every day, but then came back and would go buy go buy some weed, go drink. And the thing about it is when he give you something, it he had gave me a million dollars when I first came home, I would have ruined me. The million dollars might not disappear, but I would have drunk myself to death. I'd have smoked a bunch of weed and had everybody else smoking. I had to work on me. And that about the distractions. I had to realize that weed is a distraction. It's pulling money that I could be investing in me out of me. Yeah. Alcohol is gonna break your body down. Especially if you're drinking every day. I was drink waking up early in the morning, about 10 o'clock once the liquor store open. I'm going to get a shot. That's crazy. And what's happening? I'm breaking me down. And this is this is his temple. Yeah. God don't dwell outside you. He dwells inside you. Right. So you got to work on yourself, your temple. Things that you want to do, they ain't always things that you should do. You got to work on it and stop it and become what you are becoming. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. Um, I mean, the whole idea of working on yourself is so that you can be the best you you can be, and that's for you. And when you become the best you for you, guess what? Everything around you... Come to you. Flourishes. But you also help everybody else become the best them that you can be. I mean, the best them that they can be because they get to see you. This is where, you, where the influence God gives us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, um, going back to family, um, 2006 to 2019, you were in prison. You know, your kids are out here. What was it like you being reunited with them? And well, they was not my biological kids, so I really don't. I didn't uh, because life had transitioned. Yes, I speak to them, but their life had moved on. You got to remember, hey, they was my ex-wife's kids. Mm. So what happened? I speak to them from time to time, uh, but that's about it. And the relationship with your ex-wife? Oh no, she's uh, in a different in a relationship now. More power to them. I pray for them. Hey, prosperity and peace. Towards what they got going on. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, that's powerful. So you ca- you said you came home early. Mm-hmm. Um, when were you actually supposed to come home, and how has that shaped your your view on the criminal justice system? I was supposed to come home as two dates. My initial sentence was twenty three years, and you do twenty off of uh off of twenty three. So I would have came home. In 2026, but I end up writing the judge, uh, God knows how many times, and what ended up happening, my sentence ended up getting ran concurrent because I had uh, not just a drug charge, I had eluding the police, and they charged me with uh, four assault charges on four police officers. So they ended up taking and gave me giving me three years, but because it was all in one sentence, they finally ran it uh, concurrent. Ran it three years into the 20. Off of that, you do 17. What ended up happening, as I told you, uh, Miss Barnett did her part. Uh, Kim Kardashian, Van Jones, John Legend, them did their part. 
I ended up coming home uh, four years earlier, and I did 13. So what ended up? How do I look at the the system now? It's still the system. <laughs> it ain't for us. Yeah, yeah. However, how do I, what I do know is that God plays a part. This is how I got home early. Not because people, because Congress left us left me. Who was it? Uh, President Obama passed a law in 2010 called the Fair Sentencing Act. And for the next eight years, Congress didn't make a move towards making it retroactive for people who came in before. And that left me in prison eight years later. But the great part about it, as bad as that may sound, this is also the time period where I did my artwork and wrote the book. Had I came home when I, in 2014, I wouldn't have had no book. I wouldn't have had no artwork. So what I ended up seeing was God work to set me up for my future. There's a Bible verse that says, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts, or in some versions, I know the plans I have towards you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and give you an expected end. That wasn't harm. As much as it feels like harm when you're going through it, God's saying, look, you're going to prosper. I'm setting you up for your future. You just got to know that, hey, you got a bright future and hope. Hold on. Yeah. And if you can look past your circumstance and see that your God is bigger than your circumstance, I can promise you if you expect better, you're going to come out better. Amen. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it goes back to faith, uh, you know, because some people break down, mm-hmm. which, which is normal, which is fine. Not everyone is able to withstand the test of times. They are. You got to know that you got it. <laughs> that is true. It takes, look, it's exercising. Faith is, is, an, is an exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. It it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get to that mindset to say, God is prepping me for something better. Had I come home early, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So all that time, the eight years I spent, is just God, you know, preparing, preparing me. And and it's it's an amazing way to view the world. Um, in, in your lens, with all of your experience, what do you think this experience called life is? Like, what do you think this is? Um, human beings and like, is it, do you think it's spiritual? I mean, I do, th- I do believe it's spiritual, but I want your own personal, you know, how do you see the world? How do you see this experience? It's what you're calling it. It's an experience. There are people that's no longer here that can't experience it. Whether you get hurt from a relationship or hurt from something else, people walking away, these are pains. You're experiencing it. You have to take that experience and learn to love it regardless to what, because this is just what this is. And everybody doesn't get to experience what you experience. This is the best way I can put it. And I tell everybody this now. You're the main character in your story. Being the main character you're not just the main character. You're also now the uh, the director. You get to write your you write the vision and make it plain. That's a, that's a Bible verse. The question is: Is how do you want to see this main character in the story? Yeah. 
do you want to see him leave a legacy, leave a huge story that people get to look at and say, man, wow? Or do you want to just live it out? Me, knowing that I am the main character now, I get to set this up how I want to. God has given me, he's the, um, the film company. I'm the director and I'm the main character. Kind of like Tyler Perry, the way he sets his, he, 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 writes, look, <laughs> he writes his story and he became the main character. Yeah. You got to know that in your life, everybody who comes in your life are supporting cast members to say, hey, man, look, you good. You, you, look, you great. Some of them may not even say that. Some of them may drag you down. They're part for you to learn from. Absolutely. But then comes you saying, man, you know what? I want to see this guy win. Anytime I read a book or I look at a uh, look at a movie, I'm I want the main character to win. Why wouldn't you want your main character to win? He gonna win if you change some things in your life to get him there. You got to be patient. That's look, no God is a gonna do everything He told you that that's gonna be done. It's gonna happen. Yeah. You don't know when. Don't even worry about it. Work on it. There's a, a a parable. There was a man and he had a bamboo garden. And every day he would work on this field, water it, work on it. Every day. Year one went by, people rolled by and was like, man, ain't nothing coming up. Year two went by, nothing popped up. They was laughing, joking. Year three went by, same thing, but he out there working. Year four went by, look, everything, <laughs> look, it looks crazy. And people like, yo, what is he wasting his time for? Year five, they said bamboo it grows down before it grows up. Year five, between 60 and 90 days, they say this plant shoots up 60 to 90 feet tall. But the thing about it, is if you stop working on it, it never produces what happened or what it's supposed to produce. It'll stunt the growth of it. Mm -hmm. But if you work on it every day, it doesn't matter what people may see, work on it because it's working. You are, you said something, we're human beings. You're a human being. That means you're a human becoming, not a human doing. Mm -hmm. So if you continue to work on what God has told you, I can promise you, in two, in in some time, what's gonna happen is gonna jump just like that. Look, they gonna just notice that these plants just came out from nowhere and they grew from ninety, uh, sixty to ninety feet. Same thing with 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 the human being. They may not know what you're doing. You're gonna become, and they're gonna see it. But then after you after you become, do you take the glory or do you give it to God? Me. I make sure that I give it to God because I know that this wouldn't ha have happened had God not brought me home. Everybody keeps saying, hey, you got to, you got to add your part. My part was so small that, hey, if he not had not put the will in me for me to be able to do it, I wouldn't have been out there for the last two years out there in front of that uh, African-American museum selling books. I would have been saying, man, man, I'm going back to selling cars or something. He needs your test. He wants your testimony. Absolutely.
He wants you to be seen so then you can mess around and say, look, God did this. And everybody else will know, man, look, in order for me to make it, trust God forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's so powerful. That's a blend of vision and faith. You know, I see, again, I think we spoke about this earlier. I see this image in my head of where I want to be or the things I want to do in my life. And now I have to just believe. You're the main character. Yeah, and be patient. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going. I'm going every day, just like the guy working on his farm every day. It's happening. People are laughing. People are saying their own thing. But, hey, it's, it's, I see it. You don't. And it's, it's for them to see it. Guess what? God give you the vision for them to see. They ain't got, look, he didn't tell them what, what, what you was going to become. He told you. Same way he told Noah. He told Noah, build a ark. Yeah. Them people laughed at Noah. Look, it took 200 years, according to the word, for, for Noah to build this. But it rained. <laughs> he just told him it was going to rain. He didn't tell him when it was going to rain. He told him it was going to rain. Build the ark. Preparation. Just build it. You, you build it. And I can promise you one thing. If I can't look, I only meet great people. I promise you this. I can show you, look, go through my Instagram, you'll see uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. You'll see Montel Jordan. You'll see all these people. But that was me back in nine years ago. God said, build it. Yeah. I built it. And now today, I'm sitting up here living off of something that I prayed for, something that God put in my spirit, and I done. And here we are. Faith without works is dead. Yes, sir. Amen to put, that. Put the work in and watch what happens. Yes, sir. You said that's powerful. That's powerful. So, I mean, you have such a, you've been on such a ride, such a journey, you know, ups and downs, and you all you see is just opportunities to, to, to grow, opportunities to be better. Um, you know, started selling crack cocaine at 16. Um, so in, in what ways has your past influenced your present? And how do you envision your future? Like, well, what's next for Carlos Walker from here? Like, where, where are you going? Where are you headed? And how's your past and present? How are they influencing that? The past got me here. The present gonna get me to the future. It's what I work on now, every day. Same way I worked on that book nine years ago. Same way I'm working on a rap debate right now. That I want to see it influence the youth to use their words better. I want to, I got a, uh, I'm working on seeing this movie based off this book come to life. In time, it, it's coming. Amen. Uh, I want to be in not just an impact for me and mine, but for me and the world. Because when you learn how God can use you and you are impactful, you're a representative for God. I want to use my voice to let people know that, hey, God is real. Yeah. I ain't going to keep saying God, that Yahweh is real. <laughs> Because when you understand the power of the Father and what he's called you here to do, be the impact you're supposed to be. And what you'll see is a miracle happen. Yeah. You'll inspire the world for different. 
Absolutely. Uh, that's that's powerful. Um, I'm I'm personally curious to know how did you how did you find God? Did you find God before you went in prison? Did you find God in prison? Before. Before. Uh, let me see. I was raised raised in the Word. Uh, decided that I wanted to walk off for a minute, but God, any time that I ever called out on God and asked Him to do something, He done it. I mean, any time. But I didn't have a a trust. It was me when I wanted something. I called you when I when I need something. I call you, but me trusting you with everything else, I feel like I had to do. And what God showed me, I don't need you for anything. I want you. Sitting in prison, remember, I lost all the money, things that I depended on. And God said, that stuff will disappear. I won't. I'm going to make sure that you're fed, clothed, taken care of. I'm going to make sure that you are protected. I was literally in a, I like to say, a concrete jungle. And I never even told her a knife. God said, I'm going to make sure that you're protected. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring you out four years before or 15 months before your father passed so you get seen. Two and a half years before your mother passed so you get to see her. Because what you're going what you gonna to need in life, you just need to know that I got you. And I promise you, you ain't got to worry about nothing. Trust me and everything going to take care of itself. And I learned that. I learned to put my faith and my trust in God himself and not in me. Amen. So the relationship came from the prison. But me already believing was before. I just didn't know how. And that's where most people are stuck in their journey, is they're trying to keep a hold to things. But things and people disappear. God don't. Always present. Always present. You just got to be able to look, know it and live in it, eat, no matter what your circumstance look like, and watch what happens. You coming out, when you look at the sky, you may see a cloud come through, rain, storm. It always go by. I see more, cl- more beautiful days, or to me, every day is beautiful. I see more sunny days than I do see storm. I know a storm may come. I also know the past. Yeah. And you get prepared for storms. You 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 get to come out of it ten times better. Just know that you're coming out. Yeah. Man, that's that's powerful. That's powerful, honestly. I mean, I feel like, you know, just having this conversation with you two years ago we met and it's always been in my head. I need to sit. I need to talk to you, and I really do appreciate you making time for this. I'm I'm learning so much just having this conversation with you. You know, I grew up in faith as well, and God is. I mean, I'm a big testament of what God can do in in someone's life. Um, you know, and 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 I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have known Him. And I'm thankful that I still know him, and I'm thankful that I'm still getting to know him, and he just he just never fails. I promise you. Uh, I know you earlier you was telling me about your father. Yeah. 
Tell me about it. Smartest man I know, hands down, hands down. See, my dad, he was the first person in his family to go to college, but he never finished. He was in Cuba studying, and then someone called him the N-word, and then he punched this guy, and then he got deported and sent back home. And 2023, today, mental health isn't a big thing in Sierra Leone. So, so imagine back then, 30, 40 years ago. And so I feel like he just held on to that and he beat himself up for the rest of his life, basically, um, feeling bad that he didn't finish school. But he literally instilled every single knowledge and wisdom he could into me and my brother, and he kept on telling me, I don't have money to give to you, but I'm gonna make sure you guys get educated. I'm gonna make sure every single wisdom or everything I know, I pass it down to you. This is all I can do for you. And um, hard worker, very hard worker. My dad would go to work, come back home, and literally study the syllabus in school, he'll buy the textbooks and study every single mathematical problem in that book, every single science problem in that book, and then teach us. So I went to school twice a day, get off school, in school, come home, and my dad would teach me again every single thing. I have my master's today. I'm a first-generation college student, you know? So it's been a long journey, but when I look back, it's, it's all thanks to him. Back then, I didn't understand. Oh, I got I to just, go to school yeah, twice, twice a day. Twice a day. No, why is he making me do this? But honestly, I look back. I look back, and I'm thankful. He spent time with you. Yes. This was different. Yes. You got something that a lot of people don't get. Yeah, it might have felt hard for a moment. The reason why I asked that question is because I quit telling people, I'm sorry for your loss. I don't I don't say that. <laughs> it's not a loss. You gained. He was your gift. Yes. Everybody don't get that gift. You got something that was so special and you just got to share him with me. A lot of people might not ever get this opportunity to hear that. Yeah. I did. Yeah. But the reason why I say that is because you can see now what you're grateful for and what he poured into you. But the love, one, like he said, I don't have money to give you. He had wisdom to give you. Yes. He had knowledge to give you. That's more than money could ever get you. Way more. And where you go from here, it will be the legacy you leave because your father gave you a legacy to leave. Absolutely. That's the mind-blowing part of how God can use your past. It wasn't meant for him to, to finish college. Don't know where, where his life would have took him. But what I do know is where it did take him. I wish he hadn't beat himself up so, so hard about it. Maybe because I do know dealing with African culture, y'all are big on education. Absolutely. So maybe his parents either were lack of or they pushed him. So what he wanted to do was make sure that you got it. And yep. you got it. Yeah. 
You did and accomplished what he didn't. We're supposed to be better than our parents. Not that they become, they are great. We become greater. You did that. You finished something that he didn't get to see, but you done it. Yeah. Your children will do the same. You you address the foundation for what's coming next. That's it. Um, so again, it doesn't have money to give, but it does have knowledge and wisdom to instill into us. And now I've used that knowledge and wisdom to accelerate myself to this stage. My kids come, now they've been born into a family where, you know, they, they wouldn't be first generation college students. Nah. They'd be second, so, third, yeah. fourth, but not just college, because college is one thing. College can get you in in jobs. College can't make you an owner. Nope. You want to use what you got to get ownership. Absolutely. This is part of you. This is your ownership. You're, you decide to do a podcast because you want to get other people's stories out. You want to get your own story out. This is important. Document history. Document people that's going to move forward and shape the world. You don't do this just because. You do this because you, you will call the door. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. Honestly. I appreciate you. <laughs> you know, um, so how do you navigate societal perceptions and judgments about your past since you've been... I can care less about it. Look, one thing I know, look, that was my past, this my present, and I'm moving towards my future. Anybody who condemn me for my past, look, that's you staying stuck in the past. Me, I understand, look, a caterpillar turns to a butterfly. I just got to be in the butterfly. I want you to know what a caterpillar went through. So I tell you my past. I share that with you so then you'll know that, hey, you ain't even got to stay stuck there. But if that's what you want to continue to look at as the caterpillar, instead of seeing the butterfly, that's on you. Me, I'm flying. I'm just doing me. Hey, I'm flying. <laughs> I'm created to fly. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, you know, do you have any specific insights you want to share with people out there? Greatest life lesson you've ever learned. There's two. When you look at the tree, and this is something God gave me, I noticed that the tree, its limbs are in praise. And it goes through four seasons, depending on where you're at. In Virginia or in D.C., in this area, you got four seasons. You got fall, when things are falling off, the leaves, the limbs, a few limbs, a little bit of everything. That could be money, that could be people, that could be anything. In wintertime, the tree is sitting there bare naked with its limbs still up. They never drop. In spring, things are coming back. It still keeps its limbs up. And in summer... When it's fruitful, it never drops its limbs. So what I learned from the tree is that they stay praising at all times, no matter what they're going through. They're always growing, and they stay rooted. So if I could tell people anything, stay rooted in God. Always grow in faith and know that you're growing no matter what season you find yourself in, whether it's fall, winter, spring, or summer. And the last thing, 
always praise because we are experiencing something that others ain't no longer here, but you are. Yeah. Second thing, uh, share your testimony. Share your story. Uh, there's a saying that's, or a Bible verse that says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony is important, not for you, but for everybody else. What I learned from a tree is if an apple fall off a tree and just hit the ground, it rots from inside out. That's people's testimony. It's rotting in them from inside out because they're not sharing it with nobody. But when you take an apple and you pass it off to somebody, if something eats it, it gets nourished. This is what your testimony does for others. It nourishes their spirit to let them know that if he made it, I too shall. Yeah. And all you got to do, trust God, pass the testimony, and watch somebody else grow. And I promise you, their, their spirits will get nourished. And I always tell people that you love them. Amen. I tell everybody. It don't even matter who it is. Look, I could be walking in the street. I just tell everybody, look, I love you. We don't hear it much. And it seems strange to people most of the time, but they'll leave me. These are seeds I get to plant. Yeah. That seed will grow somewhere else. Yeah, and that's, that's powerful. I feel like that's, those are two lessons we all can learn from. Um, you know, thank you so much, Carlos. I mean, this... This is amazing. This is powerful. I'm glad we finally got to sit down and do this. Thank you for being so much on the show. I thank you for inviting me because, hey, who knew two years ago that I would come and be doing this with you? Yeah. So thank you. <laughs>